0: Messen Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
1: E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles.
2: Eagles fans, welcome back to another edition of Football 24-7. I'm your guy, Tony DeShields II. I'm joined by our Eagles insider, John McMullen. Man, he does a lot of great work for Sports Illustrated, does a lot of great work for Jacob Sports on Birds 365 with his partner in crime, Jody McDonald. Make sure you catch those guys 8 a.m. Eastern time, every single Monday through Friday. Now, you guys know what we have to get into. It's Tuesday, but man, oh man, I'm still riding high off of that crazy uh, Philadelphia Eagles uh, overtime win over the Buffalo Bills. Uh, The score was 37-34, as we all know, and I'm sure we have so many questions for our guy John McMullen uh, this evening, but... First and foremost, I gotta check on my guy, John. It's been it's been about ten days since you and I have really spoken about any kind of football. First and foremost, how are you feeling and how have you been?
1: Really, has it been that long? Seems, yeah, yeah. I'm everything count, runs I'm together. Counting the minutes, I'm counting the Every, hours, everything I'm counting the days. Together. Uh yeah, I've been I've been good. Got stuck in Kansas City for a while. Uh yeah. So it's two games ago. I guess you're right. Uh, time flies this time of year.
2: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So. I mean let's get right into it right let's not waste any time. This game was uh in my opinion I will call it a Philadelphia instant classic at the very least. Um it definitely has to be considered uh, one of the best matchups, one of the one of the best games we've seen all year. It, it, it gave you it gave you everything, right? It gave you comebacks, it gave you emotion, it gave you bad weather, it gave you miracle uh 59-yard uh kicks. Um it gave you uh stellar performances by uh both quarterbacks. Uh it gave you about I want to say nine touchdowns between both quarterbacks. It was just it was just a gun show, especially in that second half. And um Jalen Hurts, man, um played the half of his life. The first half was not pretty at all, but <laughs> that's that that that's that's two weeks in a row uh for Jalen Hurts, the uh you know the MVP candidate. But you know, let's try to take this thing step by step, John. First, um, what were your what was your instant reaction to this game and what were some of your initial um uh observations?
1: Uh, well, they played as you mentioned. They played a bad half of football. I've already kind of turned the page to San Francisco, so I'm looking back. But mm-hmm. yeah, the first half um, they were they were bad. I mean, there's no other way to to describe it. They had 99 total yards. Jalen Hurts had a seven seven passer rating, was four for eleven, 33 yards. At one point, pretty deep into the game, he was two of nine. And his passer rating was 0.0. Uh, for you, Animal House fans, I like to call that the Blue Tarski of passer ratings. Typically, um, and it's funny, then you go to the second half, and at one point he was at 158.3. And, and um, for those who don't know, that's a perfect passer rating in NFL uh, um, statistical lore. So, Um, it's such a dramatic shift. Typically when you're playing a poor game, you play a poor game, you know, and that's what's so interesting to me about Jalen hurts. He's almost got a great cornerbacks mentality and cornerbacks have to have no memory. You know, they're, they're going to get beat at times and they have to forget about it and keep playing. Typically quarterbacks, um, who, as I said, who struggle earlier, are going to struggle throughout the game, and certainly to that degree at least. Um, not Jalen, man. He he forgets bad plays as quickly and as effortlessly as anybody, and that's what makes him. I always use, use relentless when I talk about Jalen Hurts because you – I say it all the time, Tone. A lot of teams think they have him. They think they got the Eagles on the ropes. Um all things are going their way and then bang big play and here comes the snowball rolling down the hill and that's kind of what happened to the to the Buffalo Bills.
2: You know it's interesting, right? You mentioned the word relentless. It's not just with Jalen Hurts, right? You're beginning to see this team truly uh take shape into his personality and his archetype, right? Um I believe uh Mike Florio, he talks about this all the time on PFT, he mentioned how uh, he had a brief conversation with Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts, you know, um, essentially mentioned, and I'm pre- and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he essentially mentioned the fact that, you know, I normally don't talk like this, but I, I, I'm starting to feel like this team is taking on, um, you know, my personality traits. They're beginning to take on some of my habits, and uh, you know, he believes that's you know that's directly correlated to their winning habits as well. Um, when you hear something like that, when you hear um, or when you hear something like that, then when you see it um taking shape on the field. Um you know how do you respond to that?
1: I've never heard Jalen say that um it, it would surprise me. So I don't know exactly what he said to 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 uh um uh, Mike but he tends yeah, to Yeah, and this wasn't know,
2: recent by the way. I think this was sometime last season. So this what this wasn't Yeah, typically
1: at all. he'll he'll sort of deflect things when you want to give him too much credit. It, it, he's a typical good leader. You know, it's if it, if it's if things are going well, it's we, if things are going poorly, it's me. That's sort of the Cardinal rule quarterbacks in this league are supposed to have. Um, he's very obviously, um, um, self deprecating. He doesn't want a lot of flowers thrown his way. Um, mm. he wants to give credit to his teammates. He rarely talks about himself. If you look at him at his press conferences, If you ask him questions about him, he typically shuts down. If you ask questions about his teammates, he'll talk longer uh, about them. Um, So that's kind of his mindset. That's kind of his, it's always been his mentality. Um, And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, uh, You know, it was interesting after the Buffalo game, he did open up a little bit more than he typically does. And it was it was about um, them playing poorly for a, a couple games now, especially Kansas City and Buffalo. Um, and sort of realizing, you know, they can't keep doing that. Uh, they can't keep living on the edge. Um, and I thought that was interesting because – you know, a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned when did the standard when people were complaining about no style points. He he said when when did the standard not become winning? You know, that's all that matters. And now he's kind of morphed a little bit to yeah, we're winning, but we're not playing up to the standard. Um, and I think that's the realization that you've got to tighten some things up with San Francisco coming in because if they play the way they played against Kansas City and the way they played against Buffalo they're not going to beat San Francisco. So I think that's what that was about.
2: Yeah, I I'm, I'm curious, right? It's, it's it's two weeks in a row where we see this team start off extremely slow, extremely sluggish in the first half. I mean, they they had a better first half. Um they had, they had better first halves prior to the bye. You know, now it seems like uh their second halves are pretty much where they're waking up and, and, and deciding to play football. Devontae mentioned in his, uh, you know, in his post game interview how, you know, I guess we just, I guess we just decided to wake finally wake up and finally play football. I mean, why do you think they've had such a hard time coming out of the gate strong?
1: Um, it, it, it's always different reasons. Um, I, I think in this particular game, yeah, I think the weather played a part into it until everybody got used to it. I think. You know, if you lose Lane Johnson so late in the process, nobody knew he wasn't going to play till that morning. Uh, we all know how important Lane has been to this team winning and losing. Um, first play of the game, Leonard Floyd gets loose and uh, for a pressure on Jalen Hurts. And ironically, Jack Driscoll settled down from there. And that was the only pressure he gave up, according to PFF. So um, he settled down. Um, but yeah, they were disjointed, they they couldn't do much. You know, when you can't convert third downs, and the same thing if people were watching Monday Night Football, the same thing happened in Minnesota. If you can't convert third downs and you can't generate plays, number of plays, it's gonna look really, really bad offensively. And I think they struggled obviously, um on third downs in the first half, and once you start getting into a little bit of a rhythm and start moving the chains a little bit, uh, things start to ease up. Um, and then, you know, Buffalo had the long drive um, uh, and, and they had a ton of uh, time of possession advantages. But, you know, probably the most disturbing thing about that game was the number of defensive snaps they were on the field for um 95 plays right or 90, it, ninety-three? It, yeah you know, and part of that is yeah it was 95 part of that was the overtime but and that was a long drive the the bills got the ball first they want 12 plays so 12 or 13 so you're still talking about over 80 plays in regulation and that's mm-hmm. not good that's not good and plus they had some injuries fletcher cox um Left, came back for a little bit, then left again for good. Uh, Zach Cunningham had to leave the game, obviously. um But you, you, you had Milton Williams was gone because of the concussion, so he didn't even play in the game. So all of a sudden, you have uh Jordan Davis having a career high in snaps with sixty two. You saw how gassed he was when he chased down Josh Allen in overtime, which was amazing, by the way.
2: Uh, yeah, th- we're going to talk about that, man. That. that- That was about 17 miles an
1: hour. Uh the bill, even the bills on the sidelines are like, What the hell is this? It was like an earthquake that landed right in front of him. Um, he can move so well at that uh size. Um, and Jalen Carter played a career by far a career high in snaps. So, and we've been talking for weeks about Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweater just playing too much. So you know, that might be an issue. Um coming back this week, but hopefully get Milton Williams back. We'll see where Fletcher is probably by Thursday. Um, and hopefully they have their depth back. But uh that was a concern how many how many snaps they were on the field um defensively.
2: Yeah, it's it's actually interesting. If you if you combine if you combine the snaps between this game and I believe the Chiefs matchup, which they were on the field for a long time as well. If you combine those, those, uh, those, those snap counts between both games, I mean, like you, like you said, ninety-five against the Bills, and then, then you add in the uh, the seventy-four against the Chiefs. I mean, that's essentially what almost three games worth of defensive snaps.
1: Yeah, and you know, I mean, part of it is they got to get off the field as well. So it's it's kind of. um but don't you also
2: think the offense has struggled to sustain drives? Yeah, I mean
1: it's both. So I mean, certainly in the first half, yeah, I mean, and and they didn't convert a third down in Kansas City till the third quarter. So the same thing happened, um, and they had been the number one third down team coming into the Kansas City game, and now they've struggled two games in a row. Uh, picked it up obviously in the second half against Buffalo, but um, yeah, with third down when you don't when you don't convert and you get three and outs or even maybe you get one first down, not good, not good. And, and negative things tend to pile up, uh, on the opposite side of the ball when that happens. Why do you think third down has been
2: a struggle particularly in these, in these last two games? Um, it's, it's weird to me when you've been so consistent, and getting it done no matter who you've played against. And all of a sudden you come out of your bye week and you seem more disjointed than ever. Um, can you at least uh, give me uh, your spin on why a third down has been a struggle the past two weeks coming out of the bye?
1: Well, it's always, um, you know, if you look at the first drive, they were first and ten, uh, incomplete pass. That was to Jack Driscoll. So you're already behind. um Leonard Floyd gets right in. You're already at second and 10, another incomplete pass, third and 10, uh, third and long. The whole goal is to be in third and manageable. So if you're third and 10, your numbers are never going to be good. Um, and, and, and the Eagles have had too many third and seven or mores versus earlier when they were leading, you know, they're third and manageable. So that just kind of, the, that that's kind of how things um do you have a
2: stat unfold. in front of you do you have a stat in front of you that that that, that tells their average um um distance um to first down uh, uh not th- in
1: front of me on, i, can, I can look it up um but, but prior to the bye you know, and last few games typically you know their first drive that was their first drive their second drive wasn't bad that ended up um uh, um, obviously with the Jalen Hurts touchdown um in the first quarter but in, in the second quarter you had uh so Buffalo scores uh on the field goal by Bass and then the Eagles get the ball back and they had it for two plays and the second play was the um uh, the deflected right. pass that uh was intercepted uh going to Jack Stole so um, that's an issue. Buffalo takes that and scores Josh Allen with a, a touchdown run. Then the Eagles get uh, the football back. They're down 10-7. Um, they get one first down. Boston's got, as I mentioned, starts off the drive with that good run. And then it's a three and out from there. Uh, incomplete to Boston. Um, Boston run for four yards, then you're third and six. Again, your third and seven in the league is sort of the demarcation line. So that's not the worst spot, but you want to be third and three and then everything in the playbook is basically open and that makes it really bad for the defense. So that was the third and six. Um, ultimately, they have to punt. Buffalo gets the ball. They don't do much. They punt. The Eagles get it back, three and out. First and ten, DeAndre Swift, one yard. Second and nine, uh, Jalen Hurts, quick pass, bubble screen. Um, no, I'm sorry, that was the Jalen Hurts run for negative one yard, so they're third and ten. A.J. Brown for five yards. If that's third and three, it's a first down. It's not. Buffalo gets the ball back. You're at the two-minute warning. Um And it goes on and on. You're through a whole half. And the Eagles had one more uh, possession, and that was um, Jalen Hurts' fumble. So that's your whole first half right there. Third and longs and uh, turnovers. Interception, fumble. Uh, That was the uh, Kenny Gainwell um, bad mesh point play. Um, but I know everybody wants to blame it on Kenny, but that was, that was a Jalen Hurts thing.
2: I agree. Um, I agree hundred um, percent. The moment I saw it, I thought to myself, that's in, that's a hundred percent on Jalen Hurts. He, he, he has to make a decision. Um, yeah. Kenny clearly had no intention of grabbing that ball from him. Um, Jalen has to be more decisive in those moments. Um, I, I, I have to ask you this, right, John, um, you know, we talk about this team and they're one of the most talented teams in the NFL, especially offensively. and, I'm curious. I'm curious to know if do you believe um what's the correlation between you know the third down inefficiency and game planning, right? Because I had to me one can argue is it strictly execution that's the problem for the Philadelphia Eagles, or is it game planning in certain situations? Because when I look at the team in the first half versus the second half, it's almost like there's two entirely different Game plan has been, you know, executed, or almost like they're two different teams. It's been a tale of two halves these past two weeks. You know, I'm I'm, I'm curious to know what's your opinion on whether the third down struggles are mainly execution related or game plan related.
1: Well, I think you answered your own question. By the point is, they didn't change the game plan. So one half good, one half bad. Execution. It's always execution. You don't game plan to be third and ten. But the game plan does look a little differently. I, I, I
2: mean, may, maybe I didn't make that clear enough, but to me it, it looks like two different game plans in the first half versus the second.
1: Yeah. Nobody, nobody changes a game plan. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, you practice what you practice um, and you run what you run. That's one of the things that fans kind of don't understand. I always use the James Franklin, the Penn state coach example. Um because he got so much crap, it was a when Miles Sanders was there. It was a fourth and four play against Ohio State, something like that. Game on the line, gotta have it moment. I think Trace McSorley was the quarterback, and he ran uh, RPO, and it did not work. Um, and they lost to Ohio State as they typically do. Sorry, Jeff Kerr, if you're listening. Um, it, it, and and people went nuts on James Franklin saying how could you run that play because that's what they practice that's their offense that's what they run you don't pull something out of your ass like a Bill Walsh West Coast masterpiece if you don't practice it during the week if you don't mm. practice it during the summer if you don't practice it all the time you practice and you run what you run you game plan nobody in football and if they do in the NFL. And if they do change game plans in the middle of the game, you should fire that coach immediately, immediately. Well, it, it, you won't even have to worry about it because it's not going to look good. You you can't run stuff. You don't practice. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, and no matter how many times I say this fans are like, well, it's McMullen. What does he know? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Jim Schwartz tells you that. Peyton Manning said, you know what we do at halftime? We have a couple orange slices and we take a leak and then we walk back out and we check our phones. Like Kenny Gamewell got in trouble with, um, it doesn't work that way. There's nobody on the whiteboard running. They, 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 they. Adjustments go on after every series, after sometimes after every play, um, Constant, nobody's ship changing things in at halftime. Nobody, mm. nobody's throwing in a new game plan at halftime. And by the way, if you have a problem with the game plan, don't look at Brian Johnson because this is Nick sirianni's offense.
2: You know, it's it's interesting. Um, to your point, right? The fact that it is more so execution. I mean, that is what you're saying, right? I want to make that clear. That is yes. what you're saying. The difference is execution. So again is this team are they playing uh, john let's just call it what it is right are, are are they playing with their food in the first half like is, is- what's so special
0: about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.
2: Their lack of attention to detail, is this team
1: getting bored? What is this? No, I mean, well number 1, the other teams out there. Um,
2: that's true. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, and I, and I and I always want to give credit to the other team. Like you know, you know, don't get me wrong, John. The Chiefs one of the best defenses one of the best defenses in, in NFL this year. Um, even though the Bills are kind of on in a, in a downward spiral, they're still very talented, and in my opinion, still pretty well coached. But you know, this Philadelphia Eagles team—they're no slouches either. And and I think there's this um, notion that, um, and you said and you said it yourself, this Eagles team believes they can beat anybody, you know, on any given Sunday. So you know, I think I think there's just this this thought process that this team is playing or executing, so to speak, um, below their standard.
1: Well, and that's what Jalen talks about. But I think people's standard for the Eagles is raised to an incredibly high level to the point where how can you reach the standard? I think that's what Jalen Hurts was kind of talking about after the game. Um, when he, I, I met the, so it was, it was kind of strange. Um, as I said, he was a little bit different and he called it weird. Um, when balancing the good things he did late in the game and the early mistakes. um, He said, in a sense, it's manipulative to myself because winning is the only thing that matters, but the standard is pretty darn important too. And so it is what it is. So in other words, he's saying, you know, winning is the goal. They won the game, but, whether you want to call it style points, as we always call about the style points, haven't been there consistently enough for the fan base. They're 10 and one. So we're saying, you know, he's got to be manipulative to himself, um, to live up to this perhaps unreachable standard. Um, the numbers are historic. I say this all the time. 14 straight against winning teams. Got to go back to 1950. Yeah. 1950. That kind of stuff doesn't happen in this league. 10 and 1 for a second consecutive season. There's two other coaches that have done that in the history of the NFL, Don Shula, Tony Dungy who had Pete Manning. So that's a cheat code. Um That's it. That's it. Question John.
2: Are the Philadelphia Eagles victims of their own dogma? And I say that because Jalen Hurts again—he always preaches about playing to the standard and how they've never, you know, they can never truly reach the standard. And that's always the goal. And perfection is the goal, even if you land on greatness. Is this team victims of their own um, mentality, their own culture that they're, you know, that they're uh, promoting to the fan base and promoting to the media? Are they victims of that?
1: I don't think they're victims of it unless they they believe it or it breaks them. For the most part, I don't think they care. Mm. Um, but they I guess do- I say that because when you when we, when you say right, Eagles
2: fans hold this team to um, an unprecedented standard. Maybe you didn't say unprecedented, but the Eagles fans hold them to this very high standard that at times seems uh, unattain- unattainable, unrealistic. Um, we get that, at least at least speaking from myself. I get that from the way they speak about the game, right? The way, the way they conduct themselves in the press conferences, right? They speak about the standard that they have yet to reach. So when we watch them every Sunday, um, and we see them play clearly below the standard, it's like, okay, like, at, will there be a point where we where we see this team get close to that point at any at any time this season?
1: Well, probably not. I mean, they're never going to reach the standard that that. I mean, not everybody. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. You know, grasp everybody into same the same category. But you know, I I got so many Brian Johnson should be fired messages in the first half, and I'm thinking <laughs> now. Think about what you're saying. At the time, they were nine and one, and you want to fire somebody. I mean, it, it is what it, it's not even worth talking about. I mean, and now they're 10 and one and, and, and then you see everything come out and I've been telling Jody for weeks, this guy's going to be one and done. And now Schepter comes out and says he's at the top of a lot of people's list and it becomes real to people. You're um, not going to be here anyway. So no use worrying about it, but from the standpoint of if that's your thinking, you, you got to step back and you got to think about yourself. <laughs> if, if nine and one isn't good enough for you, mm. then 10 and one's probably not going to be good enough for you. And if they happen to beat the jets, which was a terrible loss, 11 and O is probably not going to be good enough for you. What is good enough? I, I would say to those people, they have to step back and ask what is good enough because the other teams are playing. Josh Allen is a phenomenal football player. He played out of his mind on Sunday. He, it, when he's playing with his a game and he had his a game, he is so difficult to deal with because he's got top tier mobility. Um, he can run on anybody to the level of your Justin Beals or, um, I don't put anybody in Lamar's category, but right underneath it um, and couple that with arm strength of Brett Favre and um, he can fit any tight window. He's really, really difficult to deal with. And how many how many Eagles fans are looking at the other team? We just talked, I mean, Leonard Floyd's had nine and a half sacks coming into that game. They have Greg Russo. They still have Bond Miller. They have Ed Oliver. It's one of the best pass rushing teams. You lose Lane Johnson a couple hours before the game. You persevere. Maybe the standard should come down a little bit. Mm. Okay.
2: Now, another player who is extremely hard to deal with uh, outside of Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. Um. Again, we spoke about how the first half was abysmal. But that second half, again, it's almost like he is almost like he went into the phone booth and put on a Superman cape. He played out of his mind. Um, four touchdowns in the second half, five touchdowns total in the game. Um, a damn near perfect quarterback rating or passer rating in the second half as well. Um, scored the game-winning touchdown. The dude is it's his his game, his game is almost indescribable, right? And I tend to, you know, I listen to some of these national guys and You know, most of the narratives when Jalen Hurts' name comes up or when the Eagles come up, it's always about what the other team did to lose the game rather than what the Eagles did to win the game. Right. And I'm curious to know in that second half, what did you see by the Philadelphia Eagles that led to them winning this miraculous game in such a stunning fashion?
1: All the typical stuff you see from the Eagles. I mean, it, no no quarterback has been better playing from behind than Jalen Hurts, which is one I find ironic because I always hear, well, and, and my partner Jody would say, well, they got to come back. They've already come back too much. They don't mm-hmm. need to come back. Um, you don't want to play from behind. It's kind of silly. So you had the extending the play, all the typical stuff. Alamadezikas uh with the great catch in the back of the end zone. Um yeah, the uh traditional stuff in the offense. The the running game is back because Jalen is healthy and he's a threat again. Um you don't seem surprised anymore, John. You seem like you expect
2: this from Jalen Hurts at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm tired of it. I said it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's boring to me. Uh, they 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 always they always come back, and that, but they are living on the razor's edge, and that's what they're not happy with. So, you know, football is these the shape it is. Sometimes it bounces the wrong way. It it did on the the deflected like ball. You saw in another game, I forget, uh, Matt Amendola was trying to kick a fifty six yarder. Hit the uh, the crossbar. Mm. What if, if Jake hits the crossbar? What if MBS uh, uh, catches the ball in Kansas City? Um, Too close to the edge. And the last thing you want to be is fighting like that in the playoffs. So they do want to play better. They do want to clean things up. But at the same time, you can say, and Nick says it all the time, it's better to correct those things off a win than off a loss, but they definitely have to get it going. If they play, as I said already, if they play the way they played against Buffalo and um, Kansas city, they are not beating San Francisco unless Brock Purdy gets hurt in the first three minutes again, or 10 minutes, whatever it was. They're not beating San Francisco. if They play that way. So, it's time to knuckle up, stop doing the stuff they're doing, uh, because this is the best team they played and it will be the toughest test.
2: Jalen Hurts in that game winning drive in overtime. I want to know what your thoughts were on how he methodically marched down the field. Um,
1: you know, uh, by it, the way, it, that's another one because that AJ, uh, that was close that to was being a, a that, that,
2: that. That was they got away with one there. They got because there was a game earlier that day, I think, where someone had a similar situation and they called it a fumble on the field. I think whatever they would have called it on the field, yes, it would have been, exactly. would have been that.
1: if they called it a fumble on the field, it would have stayed a fumble. You're exactly right. Mm. So that was a that was another little bit of a break. But as far as Jalen on that final drive, and, and and by the way, and everybody knows and you know. I hate the bubble screen because it's such an ugly play. I yeah. had to turn off Chicago last night. It was just absurd how many times I ran it. The fact that you were watching the
2: Chicago game last night um, is beyond me at this point. I mean, Well, it, it, I
1: turned it off quickly. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 watched quick it too I watched quick it enough. too long. I watched it too long. But that last play was just so well, like I'm like, All right, criticize the Eagles when you want to. But that last play was so well designed, so well run. You know, Nick Sirianni talks about teach tape. There were two teach tape moments, uh, both involving DeAndre Swift. One was the big run, whatever, 36 yards. Go back and watch that. Every single offensive lineman, perfect block. Perfect. I mean, everybody. Front side, just, uh, uh, pin and pull with uh, Landon and, and Jason Kelsey. Mylotta uh, kicked his guy outside. Cam Jurgens came across the second level, sprung him at the second level. He, uh, uh, Jack Driscoll did his job sealing people up. Jack Stoll did his job on the backside. Perfect. And then the second was the, the walk-off play. If you look at it, they were three by one. They had three receivers on the right, one receiver on the left. Um, Buffalo was showing zero blitz, trying to force a mistake. DeAndre Swift, to his credit, he not only motioned, he was in the backfield. He not only motioned right for the bubble screen, which people hate. Um, he did it violently. and And by that, I mean... He didn't just lollygag over there in the motion. He was, he was booked. He sold it. He sold it. Yeah, He sold it really well. Thank you. And three different Bills defenders reacted.
2: Violently, Um, by the way, they reacted like almost, it was almost shocking how badly they reacted to it. To me, at first I'm thinking to myself, was that, was that a busted play? But then I'm thinking about, but then to your point, I saw, I saw how, how, how intent, how intentional deandre swift was when he ran that bubble screen and it kind of reminded me of the uh the Devonte smith touchdown where they faked the bubble screen and then they and then he found Devonte in the end zone for the you know for the touchdown pass it was kind of similar to that in terms of just the concept
1: and 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 once they sold that's where kelly and hertz make the adjustment because every every play not just the eagles but the modern nfl it's you know you have Two options, basically, the quarterback. Um, one is is typically uh, pass. In this case, it was the bubble screen. Uh, and one is the run. In this case, uh, the uh, quarterback draw. So Jalen smartly killed it to the quarterback draw. Kelsey kicks out and, and gets a great block. Jordan Mailata gets the great seal block inside. Um, walks in. It was like the Red Sea. Perfect, perfect execution, perfect play design, perfect play call. Nobody talks about it. And Nick, I asked Nick about it. Nick was really excited about it. He went on a dissertation about it um, because it was perfect and nobody talks about it.
2: Jordan Milata briefly spoke about it. Um I think I think Jordan Palmer had posted a tweet and he said I mean, Milata basically was so shocked that the Buffalo Bills uh reacted to the play the way they did. I mean, it was the it like the, the situation that they were in, it was almost like obvious what the Philadelphia Eagles wanted to do. But again, Milata was just shocked that the Bills just didn't pick up on it that one bit. I mean, you know, when you hear when you hear Milata say that, um, you know, what are your thoughts? Because I I mean you and I clearly are we're pretty were pretty in awe in the execution of that play.
1: Yeah. I, well, I, I saw it live. I was shocked by how much, uh, Buffalo reacted. Um, so yeah, I mean, from their standpoint, they certainly overreacted. They were on, on fumes, um, and they were going to run a zero blitz no matter what. And they're going to cross their fingers and hope they could create something. Um, and it didn't work from their standpoint. So that's yeah, another good thing about the Eagles is despite all those plays, we talked about how many, how many plays they were on the field defensively. They still managed to out sort of um, They have a little more gas left in the tank than Buffalo at the end of that game. Um, and it showed up um, as it typically does for this team. Um, and now we're midway through the gauntlet, so everybody's oh, wow, Dallas at Kansas City, Buffalo three and oh, three
2: and Once again, you're not surprised about this team. Yeah, you're bored. I, 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 I can just see it.
1: you're, I, you're bored as hell. It, I well, well, I said, I said, it drives me crazy because I said last year's team and it was it was by far the best eagles team i ever covered by far and people say no the super bowl team no they were better it was it's just a hard... better
2: result but but that team was better last year they were more talented yeah nobody get
1: the gets the process versus result argument um which every coach will tell you you know you got to stick to your process to get the results down the road and the more the more the more positive things you do the more likely um There's never a guarantee, Um, but the more likely you are to reach your goal, um, Mm. they were better, but things have to align um, to win a Super Bowl, to even get to a Super Bowl. You know, still got plenty of football to be played here. Injuries can factor into it. A million different things can factor into it. But, yeah, I, 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 I say... If I were an Eagles fan, I would say enjoy the ride because it's not always going to be like this.
2: Okay. Um, as we begin to close the show, John, um, you know, the, the word around town is uh Shaq Leonard may be coming into town uh, for a, a visit or <clears throat> some sort of um interview. Um what what's what's the update? Um if, that, if, if if that's the case, and um what's your thoughts on Shaq Leonard potentially becoming a Philadelphia Eagle, especially knowing Zach Cunningham? Um, is at risk of missing the 49ers game.
1: Um, Yeah, he's coming in tomorrow morning. Uh, He's going to meet with the team, work out. Um, They're going to do what due diligence. Um, You know, Nick has a good relationship from their time together in Indianapolis. Ultimately, I think he's going to be here. Um, I don't think he's going to play this weekend either way. So Mm. um, you got to get through this weekend. Um, but the fact that he left Dallas, um, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, if the money is close to being the same, which I imagine it would be, um, he's probably going to be an Eagle. he will start on the practice squad, um, and go from there. Um, how much he has left? No idea, but the Colts did bench him. Um, so. You know, for those thinking they're getting Shaq Leonard at the All-Pro, he's not that guy um, any longer. Yeah, those, those, those
2: injuries have truly debilitated him.
1: Yeah. Um, well, he's back. He played quite a bit this year, but he didn't play at the level he played in the past. I was obviously, Indianapolis overachieving with our old buddy Shane Steichen, but not a great team, uh, and they decided to move in a different direction. Um, what is is he better than what the Eagles have right now? Yes. So if you look at it that way, hmm. it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I do think he's going to be here. I think he's going to start on the practice squad. And ultimately, hopefully, he can develop um, into uh, a starter down the stretch. Um, and then it becomes... Is it going to be him and Zach Cunningham or or him and Nick Morrow? But it certainly gives you some depth. But just looking up, he was graded the 61st out of 79 linebackers by PFF this year. Wow. So yeah, he's not he's not an All Pro, but like he once was. Uh, he he topped out. This is three times, four times, he was in the top ten four consecutive years he was one of the best linebackers in football he's not that guy anymore but he's better than what they have so if they can make it work they should probably make it work
2: all right uh john before we get out of here uh final update um in terms of the philadelphia eagles uh, injury report as it stands today on tuesday november 8th what do you got for me
1: uh, no, uh, no practice till tomorrow is a walkthrough. Uh, that'll be the first day the practice report is released. So nothing going on until tomorrow. Uh, Lane Johnson did speak today at a, a function. He said he hopes to play on on Sunday. So he is truly day to day. I imagine Milton Williams is going to get through the concussion protocol, so he should be back. Um. One Thursday will be the bigger day because Wednesday's just a walkthrough, but mm. you got to keep an eye on where Fletcher Cox is. Uh, and even um, Chandler Carter, Jordan Davis are obviously healthy, but as I said, they played so much. That's something to keep an eye on uh, where they are this week. Okay. There you have it, Eagles fans. You guys were locked in on Football
2: 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm your guy, Tony the second. Uh, we appreciate you guys for uh, checking out the content with us this evening. Make sure you guys smash that like button. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. If you guys are avid readers of John McMullen, check him out on sportsillustrator.com. That's I.com. And also check his work out on jacobsports.com. That's J-A-K-I-B sports.com. Once again, this has been Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm your guy, Tony the second,
0: and we'll see you next time.